Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the AccuWeather podcast. And this week, we are talking about monsoons. So I'm going to put you on the spot, Andy, because I want to know if you know what monsoons are. Uh, well, I've heard the term. I know it involves rain, but if, uh, if we got to get into specifics of it, I really don't know what qualifies a monsoon. Okay, well, the good news is today you are going to find out. So if you go anywhere after this, you're going to be able to answer exactly what a monsoon is. We are sitting down with meteorologist Paul Pastelock and also uh, meteorologist Jason Nichols. They're going to be talking to us about monsoons, but they happen in several locations globally. So they're going to kind of explain the differences and what causes monsoon rains. And also talking about flooding from monsoons, we had some flooding recently in the sweetest spot in the U.S. Don't they call it that? Hershey yeah. Park? Yeah. Hershey Park uh, in Pennsylvania. And then also another amusement park in Pennsylvania, Knobles Grove, with some video that went viral there. So today, we're going to find out about those floods that they dealt with last week. And we'll also be trying to take a little bit of a look into what amusement parks and big places like that do when they're faced with flooding issues. So we'll be talking with Brian Knoble of Knoble's Amusement Park uh, coming up a little bit later. Okay, stay with us. From our global headquarters in State College, Pennsylvania, it's the AccuWeather Podcast. Here's your host, Regina Miller. Well, today I'm joined in the studio by uh, Paul Pasolak. You've been in with me before, Paul, so I'm glad that you came back in again today. I'm well, glad for <laughs> asking me back. He does the long-range forecasting, and we're also going to be talking about uh, monsoons today. And uh, Jason Nichols, thank you for joining me. And your area of expertise, Jason, is kind of everything. <laughs> yeah, pretty much I forecast for the entire world, so <laughs> I have a l- little bit of everything. Right, <laughs> right. So, uh, well, today we're talking about monsoons. So one of the questions I want to ask initially is because, you know, we cover them on the network uh, quite a bit where we'll talk about the monsoonal storms in the southwest. But you only have so much time uh, when you're giving forecasts. So I thought it might be better if we can do a little bit of a deep dive of what is the monsoon? What what are they? Well, the monsoon is defined as a a seasonal shift in the winds uh, that results in a different weather pattern shaping up over a certain region. So. What ends up happening is, is that you get most typically heating uh, that occurs through a, a time period warming up the land much quicker than the ocean. And that air ends up rising into the atmosphere, becomes less dense. And typically a thermal, what we call a thermal low develops, uh, circulation at the surface over land. As it continues to heat, that thermal low gets stronger And as that air rises and leaves the surface, it has to be filled back up again by more air. And that air usually typically comes from some type of ocean body um, that's nearby. And that air rushes in, and that causes the increase in moisture at the low levels of the atmosphere, which increases showers and thunderstorms. And then, uh, again, your monsoon develops. Another thing that helps out a lot of times is terrain. 
uh, the help with lifting of that. That's typically how a, a monsoon develops, and they develop a little differently in different parts of the world and at different times, but most occasions they have the same result. Right. Usually it's yeah. flooding. <laughs> so. yeah. Right. Like in India, it's very that's probably the most famous of the monsoons that most people know of, southwest monsoon in India, where the winds land. The Indian subcontinent heats up so fast. Warm air rises. The, water's, the air's got to be replaced, and India's surrounded on three sides by water. So when the wind's shifted around, it's coming in and off the water. It comes in over land, and you get that lifting. Got a lot of mountains in India. That kind of helps with the producing showers and thunderstorms uh, from that warm, moist air coming in off the Indian Ocean. You said also in East Asia, there's uh, yeah, some in, e- in East Asia, moisture, there's right, uh, yeah, there's eventually the land will heat up over East Asia as well. But some of that is just because of the position of the sun, where it moves from north of the equator to the south of the equator. During a warm time of year, it moves north of the equator. So that gives a little bit of a drive to the warm, moist air coming in off the Pacific, running into the cool, dry air that's over Asia. And actually, the leading edge of the monsoon in East Asia is actually called like the Mayu Front. It's and almost it, like a front? Yeah. In, in East Asia, it's almost like a frontal boundary kind of look to the monsoon in that area, as opposed to India, where there's, you could just have showers and thunderstorms and rain Kind all of scattered, over, scattered, yeah, it's scattered all, over. all over the area in East Asia. It's more focused. Yeah, it's more focused along this boundary where you have the clash between the different air masses, the warm, moist air trying to come in off the Pacific and the cool air coming in, try to come on out of Siberia. So you get almost like a look like a frontal boundary type setup. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's differences in uh, the impact to each of those areas yes, that, yeah. that have them. So, uh, you know, we'll talk briefly. What, what, what is the impact on the monsoons in the southwest? Well, first of all, Arizona and New Mexico receive about half their annual rainfall from the monsoons. So they depended on, you know, replenishing water supply, the rivers, the streams, you know, lakes, uh, reservoirs, all those kind of things. That's the good thing about it. Also suppresses the uh, early summer heat. I mean, it gets pretty toasty. If we don't get any rain or any... Uh, change there, it can get uh, pretty nasty for three months in a row. Right, uh, over 100 degrees. Uh, exactly. Very regularly. And then, uh, it, you know, the fire season, uh, it could either, it can end the fire season, that's a good thing, but at the same time, it could be a bad thing, and the initial uh, start before the monsoon oh, really starts getting going, uh, some dry thunderstorms can ignite more fires, so there's a good and bad thing when that comes to, to play. Well, and there's a couple, I was going to say, because there's a couple issues there with that, because um, because they are widely separated storms at times. You get uh, that dry lightning and never get the rain, so that can spark it. But then also you have the burn scar areas that yeah. tend to be a problem with flash flooding that can Yeah, that's the bad those. side. The bad yeah. side is that, you know, too much rain in those scarred areas, that mud just flows right down takes out landscaping, houses, cars, things like that can get damaged. Uh, just makes running mud rivers, basically, is right. what happens. So that could be a bad thing there, too. And that happens typically every year in some area. It changes, but, I mean, it definitely uh, is a problem uh, with the monsoon, which lasts anywhere from the you know, averaging the second week of July through the early part of September. And what's the impacts in uh, Asia? Because for there, it, it's really a different thing there because it, it, they have to have it, right? Yeah, it is. Southwest monsoon in India is their lifeblood. The farmers depend on that rain to grow their crops. If they don't get enough rain, their crops can fail. They don't get any money. They don't have any food to feed their families. Most of India gets about almost 80% of their rainfall from the southwest monsoon, which runs from about June through September. If they don't get that rain, 
Uh, it's a very agricultural-based economy across most of India. Uh, so if they don't get their rain, their crops are going to fail. Their their livelihood is at stake. In China, it's not quite as pronounced, but there are peasant farmers and a lot of agricultural areas that really depend on the rain in, in China as well. But it's not quite as dramatic as what it is in India where that's pretty much their lifeblood. And actually starting from somewhere in spring, people will start asking me about what's the monsoon going to be in India because they really want to know as far in advance as they can how good is their monsoon going to be. Right, so it yeah. really takes some long-range forecasting yep. to uh, prepare them because it is their, it's, it's their lifeblood yeah. of their economy. Well, I appreciate you guys sitting down to talk to me about monsoons. Oh, thanks for having Thank us. You. Well, you know, talking about monsoons and flooding rains that come from those, this week in the east, just want to quickly touch on significant flooding that went on in the eastern half of the United States, kind of a different kind of uh, flooding event, but it happened in uh, Hershey Park, also in Knobles Grove Amusement Park in Pennsylvania. You may have seen the viral videos that were out there of the flooding in both of those amusement parks. So here now to talk about the story behind those videos is Brian Knoble. He's a co-owner of Knobles Amusement Park. Hi, Brian. Thanks for talking to me. You had a pretty busy week last week, huh? Well, we certainly did. Not one that we look forward to and uh not one we kind of want to do again. Right. Kinda one that uh, I'm sure we're going to do someday again. Tell me about what happened last week with the flooding, kind of how that all played out. We have a creek. Uh, actually, uh, Knobles started in 1926, uh, where two streams come together. And it was my great-grandfather that would feed and stable your horses. Area people would come here and they would swim on the weekends. They were, uh, our area is prominent for mining and for agriculture. And they would just come in on the weekends and swim. So the creek is what kind of what started Knobles. It's just, uh, it's very serene. It's very therapeutic to sit by the creek. You're in the middle of an amusement park. We have 64 rides. So you have carousel organs and you have the click, uh, clickety-clack of roller coasters. But then you can sit by the creek, kind of block out all those sounds. However, when, the, when we get a lot of rain and the creek rises, well, now it becomes our worst enemy. What I was wondering about is the scenario last week with the flooding. Um, were there people in the park at the time? Like, did you have to evacuate people? Or what, what was the situation there when that happened? Uh, so, you know, some of this you, you try to block out from your memory because you just don't <laughs> want to think about it. You'll have nightmares. Right. We never opened on Monday. It was um, maybe it was the middle of the night on Monday and the creek started to come up. Uh, so there was no one in the park. Fortunately, then this was not a uh, our, our our general hours of operation are 11 in the morning until 10 p.m. So this was not while we were open, and we started to take uh, various steps. Um, started to call in some maintenance staff to uh, you you certain things like miniature golf is the actually the lowest elevation point in the park, so miniature golf gets hit first. Right. So you take the staff and you go to miniature golf. And you, you get out all the clubs and the golf balls, and we keep a little backpack blower in there and uh, all the scorecards and the pencils, and you have to get those to higher elevation. Depending upon the severity of the storm and how high the water is, then we'll start disassembling rides. And we, we use trucks from our lumberyard and our fleet and even golf carts with trailers on the back and we'll, things like a um, uh, very historic ride called the pony cart. We will disassemble the pony cart, 
put them on onto trucks and and drive them to higher ground. Bumper cars. Uh, we have a a ball pit. We have uh, the spacewalk, like some some parks call it, the bounce house. So just little by little, we we haul this stuff away. Meanwhile, we're we're talking to the, the our in-house girl that does our our uh, our whether it's our Facebook page, Instagram, our website, uh, we're, our phone room. We have to communicate, you know, that we're not going to be open today. Maybe we have various groups like XYZ Corporation or a church group. We have to get word to them. Please don't cancel, but we'd like you to postpone. Uh, we're not going to open today, and they understand. Uh, you know, it's it's all part of having a creek through your park. It sounds like probably uh, the biggest situation that you've dealt with, and it's because of, of, you know, it was a beautiful location to put it there, but the biggest situation that you've had to deal with as far as weather-related problems at your park would be flooding. Has there ever been other issues that you have dealt with, like weather-related, maybe outside of flooding, where you've had, you know, to make the call to close the park or, you know, delay things? Other than rain, uh, we've some other weather-related things. This this spring we had some high winds. I believe it was in May. Uh, we were not open. Uh, it was right around three o'clock, and schools were gonna. They they talked about letting out uh, a little bit early because they were talking hail. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if we ever actually got the hail, but we got some heavy rain and some high winds. And uh, you know our area, and you know the whole Northeast was hit by. Uh, some blight in the hemlock trees and in the ash trees, and so um, you know we have we have all sorts of species of trees in the park, and of course you're going to have a branch come down here or there. Uh, so we get we got those you know garbage cans that got blown over. Um, it was a few years ago, so we have a shoulder season in October, and we had some snow on the very last day. Uh, so that was another weather-related item. We we opened some of the park, uh, what we could, but there were certain things like roller coasters. We couldn't open the roller coasters in the snow. It's, uh, some beautiful pictures, right? But, um, <laughs> and the guests understood. I guess in life, you know, you worry about the things that you can control. Right. The weather's not one of them, so you deal with whatever Mother Nature throws your way. So what's the process of making the call? Like, is it does it fall to you? Like, is What's the process of making the call to close it, or is there one person that's in charge of that? Um, it's not really one person that makes the call. So we have the, there's the Knobel family, and direct, and there are six active Knobel family members. Uh, some of them work till the two, three o'clock in the morning. So you know you don't want to wow. bother them at uh, eight o'clock in the morning, seven o'clock in the morning when they're it's the middle of the night for them. Mm-hmm. We have a leadership team who are in charge of various departments and. We're constantly in a group text with them and, and trying to decide, can we open? How much more rain is on the way? How deep is the creek? What if we pull the dams? Can we open? Uh, we got hit with a, uh, last year, late uh, June, we got hit with a heavy rain. I think it was late June, late July. We got hit with a, uh, I think it was late July, actually. We got hit with some rain. It was on a Monday night, and we actually had to close the park a little bit early. We didn't want to. But we had to because of the creek. It was rising, and sometimes the guests just won't stay away. They've got to get that picture. They want to get as close as they can and take a picture and put it on their Facebook page. So we, we grab security and uh, some various, um, any help, you know, any staff that might be here. And we, uh, we try to keep the guests away and get them to safety, get them to their car, you know, 
make the apologies that unfortunately we're going to have due to Mother Nature, uh, we're going to have to close and uh, go back up to your campsite and uh, maybe you weren't going to have dinner that night until eight o'clock. But guess what? Now you're going to have dinner at seven o'clock because there's nothing else to do. Right. <laughs> right. So, but no. To answer your question, it's not really one person. We 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 bounce it off of each other. We we contact our local um, and any uh, maybe EMS that might be uh, helpful. Uh, one of the one of the streams in the park is fed from our water company, and and we'll reach out to them. Say, how full are your dams? How much water can you take? Uh, because if if they're full, well then obviously the creek's going to be deeper. If they can take on you know, a few million gallons, why we're okay. Well, we're talking to Brian Knoble from Knoble's uh, Grove Amusement Park about some of the flooding that they dealt with last week. Uh, Brian, I had another question for you too. Do you you know you were fortunate with this? particular round of flooding that you were able to make the call because it happened kind of at night into the morning before your hours started. Do you ever do like drills or anything like that on how you would evacuate if it was some kind of weather-related emergency while people were in the park? We, we do various. We have an EAP team uh, for emergency action plan and we get together uh, and we do one or two drills per year uh, they're not really based on weather. Um, okay. It's a lot of times they're just based, just various, and we're we're in contact with uh, a a huge organization called IAAPA, International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions, and we talk to them about just various scenarios. Maybe they they maybe they're aware of some other part aware of some other amusement parks and and what they've had to go through. So then then our team is trained. You know, you read in the newspaper where maybe your fire company did a training here or your fire company did a training there. We do the same sorts of things. But I, I wouldn't say really weather-related. The other thing I wanted to ask you was about um, the flooding because I know it's, you know, pretty with the, the sh- creek and the streams there, but um, do you have any changes planned for the park or what you would have to do with it to in, in order to avoid this in the future? So one of the things we discuss is, um, th- th- or, or we currently are discussing, is uh, at some point getting with DEP and the possibility of dredging some of the creek. Where our streams are fed from, of course, it's bringing more rock and sand and creek bottom and silt. Uh, so maybe what used to be uh, our creek was two feet deep, maybe our creek is only a foot deep right now. So we talk about having them come in, and of course it's all sorts of uh, paperwork because, you know, there's trout in the stream and the spawning of the fish, and we don't want to change the pH or any anyone downstream that might uh, use the creek for something. Of course, we don't want to make it muddy. You know, we want to be a good neighbor. So uh, that's one of the calls that we'll make here shortly. We own a, we own a campground a few miles away called Lake Glory Campground. Uh, I think its physical address is Catawissa, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, we may want to have DEP come in there and at least have the conversation about dredging the creek. Well, thanks, Brian, for talking to us. It's interesting to know what you have to do in an amusement park to handle emergency weather situations. 
Well, thank you for uh, including us in your podcast. Well, thank you to our guest who uh, joined us this week. And we just want to remind you that we would love to hear your ideas. That's right. If you have a show topic idea, if there's a significant historical weather event you'd like us to talk about, just email us, accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. And, of course, don't forget to subscribe today and leave us a rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Right. It's easy to find us. Just search AccuWeather Podcast anywhere that you get your podcasts. Well, before we wrap up today, Andy, I think it's important to kind of remind folks, uh, because we've been talking about flash flooding and from a couple different kinds of systems. There's monsoons, but then there's also, like we saw with the system training storms in the east uh, this week, to turn around, don't drown. That slogan really holds true. Yeah, and also we have a few other uh, flood preparedness safety tips that we're going to share, and you can also find some, accuweather.com slash ready. So what do you have for us today? Well, I just want to remind people when you're driving with flash flood situations, uh, first off, if you're walking, it only takes six inches of moving water to knock down a person. Wow. If it is really, you know, if it's moving pretty good. Right. Um, the other thing is with a vehicle, it only takes 12 inches of moving water because your, your vehicle is heavier on top. It's tires on the bottom. It can become buoyant and flip very easily. So it only takes 12 inches of water. Really? I didn't know that. Right. That's kind of frightening in a way. It is frightening, but people always, you know, kind of plow through it. And right. uh, the other thing that uh, people underestimate is the fact that if there's water covering a roadway, you don't know what's underneath there. The roadway could have been washed away. So that there are always dangers with folks, you know, driving fl- through uh, floodwaters. And also uh, in the home as well, if you're living in flood-prone areas, you know, uh, check with your local council about flood plans or records and try to identify where some problem areas are. But also, you know, prepare that emergency kit. Prepare that uh, that escape route if things happen to, to go that way. Prepare that household flood plan. And most importantly, as, you know, people that we've talked to with FEMA before in the past, flood insurance is very important, especially if you live in areas that are affected by it. Right. So uh, we hope these tips have helped you out, and we look forward to having you join us right here next week as a brand new episode drops of the AccuWeather podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to the AccuWeather podcast, giving you the stories behind the weather, discussions on trending weather topics, and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.